These things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we begin this morning, I don't want us to forget the words that we just sang uh, because we're going to come back to it. Uh, Just the simplicity of the gospel, uh, the words that we proclaimed were, living, he loved me, dying, he saved me, buried, he carried my sins far away, and rising, he justified freely forever, one day he's coming, oh glorious day, amen. That's the truth of the gospel. That's the center of it. That's the core of it. That is what seems so ridiculous to some that it could be just that simple. And uh, it's not that I tend to start off just super serious right off the bat, but man, that's where um, the worship team led us this morning. And I think that's where we're going to come back later as we just dive into our text in Philippians chapter 1. Before we get too serious, I do want to let Matt know that he is in danger of becoming a youth pastor because um, youth pastors, they they not only know how, you know, to preach, but they also can play guitars. This is not a senior pastor, lead pastor type skill that you got. Uh, Now, if we can just get you to wear bright plaid t-shirts, then then we can really get you on your way to be uh, a youth guy. yeah, you tried it before? Uh, <laughs> yeah, he went straight from children's ministry to the adult ministry, and I'm, I'm scared of all of you. I, I, I like to hang out with the teenagers. <laughs> uh, question for you this morning. What did you do this weekend? I, I don't know if you're on the interwebs or not, if you've seen this picture circulating, but here's what I did this weekend. I got to use a chainsaw. <laughs> I know. I know. This has nothing to do with where we're going today. I just have to brag about me being able to use a chainsaw. I am not advertising myself out. Um, This is not a wise move that someone called me and and asked me to do, but the picture went on the Facebook, and and it's been circulating, and I thought to myself that, I mean, if you look at my face, like that is someone that's either really enjoying themselves or probably about to kill themselves or someone else, Um, but but I I survived, and um, and I, I wouldn't recommend cutting any trees down today because it's snowpocalypse out there. But, um, you know, once things thaw out and we rebuild, then you can go back out into the world and start cutting down trees. No, in all seriousness, um, uh, our youth ministry is soon going to be asking you uh, for some help to raise money to go to, to go to summer camp. We're already looking at summer camp. It's going to be at the beginning of August. Um, because we lost our, some of you know the story, but many of you don't, we, we lost our current place over at Camp Morrow um, in the Thai Valley, and we're going to a new location. It costs a lot more. We just really had a good setup. Now we have to pay the normal amount that most people pay for summer camp, which is probably double than what our students are used to paying. And so we're going to be leaning on the church soon to say, if you have any odds and ends projects that probably don't involve chainsaws, uh, that you would like to hire some students out, they, they would love to be able to help you guys out. So just be thinking about some of that stuff. And, you know, just when you go home today and you think about raking the yard or doing something crazy, just don't, you know, leave it for a few more weeks and then you can hire out a student to do it for you. Uh, after that shameless plug, I think it's probably time to, um, to dive right on into uh, to Philippians. Uh, two weeks ago, we started this series in, in Philippians, and um, it, it, it's been a good launch of what this book is really all about, and uh, it's been a joy to be able to see exactly where the Apostle Paul is and what's going on. If you haven't been around for the past couple of weeks, let's just do a very quick recap so we know what's going on inside of this book. Uh, like I just mentioned, the Apostle Paul is the author of this letter. 
he wrote a letter to the church in Philippi, it's over in Europe, and, um, and, and he is encouraging them through this letter. Now, the church in Philippi was, uh, had a very special place in Paul's heart. It's one of the first churches that he helped plant in Europe on his way. So he has a special love and a special connection with this church. Um, he visited the church many times over the years. And at this point, when Paul was writing to the church, he's actually sitting in prison uh, at, at house arrest in Rome, and he's thinking about his friends in Philippi. Now, the friends in Philippi just sent Paul money, and they sent him some gifts, and they were letting him know, hey, we're thinking about you in, your Ro in Rome and in your situation, and in return, he's writing a response to his friends in Philippi and saying, first of all, thank you so much for those gifts. They mean the world to me, but more than that, there's a, a great undertone. It's not just thankfulness. It is also encouragement that he has for the church as they continue to move forward uh, in their relationship with Jesus, and as they just continue to grow. By all stretch of the imagination and, and what we know about the church in Philippi at this time, is it, it appears relatively healthy. There, there's not any immediate threats or dangers of people losing their lives for the gospel's sake. I mean, this was kind of normal in, this, in the first century, right? Whenever the church was established, when we can read in the book of Acts, when it was established in Jerusalem, we see the first parter, oh, sorry, parter, um, the first martyr, Stephen, who lost his life for the sake of the gospel. And that was just kind of a normal thing. And, and, and God's intent was to spread the gospel all throughout the world by sending out his people because of the dangers they were feeling. And even Paul, sitting in prison, is feeling the dangers of speaking of the gospel. But that's not necessarily what is going on in Philippi. It's a very uh, healthy place from everything that we can tell. Paul's encouragement to this church though, is this, to not relax and to not become complacent. Things are going swimmingly where you're at. You're not experiencing the same thing that I'm experiencing in Rome. My encouragement for you is don't become so comfortable in where you're at that you just lose sight of the prize, the goal. Don't relax. Do not become comfortable. He says the world is full of dangers around us, and also the gospel of Jesus Christ is way too glorious for us to become relaxed or comfortable. Uh, he encourages them an example. If you have your Bibles open to Philippians, if you want to flip over to, to chapter 3 and just look at verse 14, um, this is the encouragement. He says, follow me in my example. Do as I am doing. And what is Paul doing? And just one uh, verse right there is, he says, uh, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. So, Good things were going on in this church, but Paul is encouraging them, keep pushing forward, keep pressing on. How do we, as followers of Jesus, keep moving towards the goal that God has for us, so that Paul is talking about here in the book of Philippians? This is how we've seen it thus far as we've walked up until this point. The very first week whenever we opened the book of Philippians, the, the, the simple message, if we could just boil it down to, to a sentence, is to be filled with fruit. So to press on 
towards Christ, for the goal that we have in Christ, we must be filled with the fruit of Jesus Christ. We must be growing in our knowledge of him, and we must learn what is right and what is wrong, and we just must invest in our relationship with him. And whenever we have our eyes on Christ, and Christ becomes so big, and the world around us that tends to draw us away from Christ becomes so small, that is the fruit that we are producing. This is how we're growing in Christ, and we know which way uh, we should go and the choices we should make as we gain knowledge of who he is and his story in our lives. So be filled with fruit and keep moving forward. And as Jesus becomes number one and as you gain more knowledge and you're gaining fruit and things are going well as you're learning more about Jesus, the, the next encouragement for us is to, to share the gospel. I, I think that many of us in this room, we had this idea of sharing the gospel as something that, that we have to have a formulated message in our minds and we must go share it in a very formal type way, in a formal type setting. And if we're not doing that, then we're doing something wrong. I think God's going to lead you to have that conversation someday. And scripture points to us to say, be ready to have that conversation. But sharing the gospel, and even the way that, that Paul is talking about it here, it's so much bigger and so much deeper. It is ingrained in who we are and the way that we live our lives. This is what he's pushing us towards. Be fruitful. Be someone who produces so much fruit in your life. And as you do, your life will be naturally sharing the gospel. Something that was said last week that I agree with wholly is that we are the only Jesus that many people in the world are going to see. And so when we invest in our relationship with Jesus, we will love Jesus in the world around us and they will see Jesus in us. There was so much more that was said about that last week. But just kind of get this flow of thought. Be filled with, the, uh, with fruit. Share the gospel. And our encouragement we're going to dive into today is to treasure Christ above all. The, the verse that, that we're reading today, the verses that we're reading today, um, we, we get one of the most popular verses that we read in Philippians. For to me... Um, he says, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So learning how to see God in both life and also in both death is essential for us as followers of Jesus today. What we're going to see as we continue to unpack these verses is that when our hearts are enamored with who Christ is, then what happens in life and what happens in death isn't quite as important as it may seem. Let's be real here as we're just diving forward. Philippians 1.21 makes a great bumper sticker for us to put on the back of our cars or t-shirts we can wear, or coffee mugs that just say, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Absolutely an amen, right? But if we think about what it's actually calling us to, living it out and understanding exactly what Christ is calling us to is a lot more difficult than what it seems on the surface. This morning we have a choice before us. Um, do we fill our hearts with empty words, 
Or we do, do we surrender to the encouragement that Paul is leading us to? As he's sharing about his own life and as he's sharing about his own experiences, he's calling us to mimic him in the way that he is living. And if we take him seriously, it's going to lead us to a place to make a choice. Is it just going to be empty words when we leave this place? Or are we going to allow the Holy Spirit of God to be able to convict our hearts and lead us towards him to make choices that center our lives on him? Again, extremely difficult. But that's the reality that we face today. The problem with this ladder that for us this morning, it's going to take some real honesty. Honest that there's a lot of pain in our lives that we're trying to work ourselves through honest about who we really are, and honest that our trying hard enough isn't just going to measure up. we got to be honest with what's going on inside of our hearts. If we, if we choose to ignore what's going on inside of our hearts, we're going to leave here exactly the way that you are feeling right now. But if you're honest and you're vulnerable to say, God, I need more of you. I need you to show me something about myself that makes life a little uncomfortable, but it pushes me to know you more than I want that. When we admit that we don't got it all together, man, that takes us to a place of darkness to start off, but the glory of Jesus Christ gets to shine bright in the midst of that. If we do be honest, and if we are vulnerable, then learning from Paul's experience, we, this will ultimately lead us to the greatest joy that we can experience. So as we move forward into Philippians, I just want to pray for us, that we're able to be honest with ourselves, that the Holy Spirit will be able to speak to us and lead us, because without the work of the Spirit, none of what I have to do up here has any meaning. We're just trusting that. Jesus is going to be working. Pray with me. God, I just need you to, to be with me right now. As these words are bouncing around in my heart and in my mind, I just pray that I'm sensitive to what you're doing in this room and in this place and in our hearts, God, and that you would just continue to have your words flow from my mouth. And from that place, God, I beg you to use the words that are being said to challenge us and to lead us to know you more deeply and to know you more fully. When that happens, God, that takes us to a place of being honest with ourselves, God, and I pray that you lead us there. We need you, I need you, and we need to hear from you this morning. Thank you for being so faithful. Thank you for meeting us where we are. Thank you that we can trust that you're going to do just as we're asking. And we expect nothing less from you, God, this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, Paul's going through a difficult circumstance, a difficult time in his life, as we're, we're seeing in Philippians. Um, what goes through your mind? What's the first thing that comes to mind when I ask you, what is your greatest fear? What do you fear the most? Back in the day, the first thing, you know, if you look at all the, the, the lists that were put out, public speaking was number one, right? Anyone, anyone afraid of being up in front of people? Yeah, me too. Well, there I am. All right. Um, 
Second is death, is what it used to be, right? So uh, public speaking, and then people fear death secondly. I, I Googled, just did a quick Google search uh, yesterday and was able to look up a bunch of, of what people are saying. And there's some other things that have moved in. So public speaking is still up there, but then like clowns are like number two, um, and like spiders um, as, as well as flying, you know, that those things now come before death. Maybe it's because a lot of those things bring death. Clowns, I don't know how, um, but uh, it, it scares us all to death. Um, if you've ever been to the circus, then you know what I'm talking about. Um, it, you know, I, I think death is one of those things that, that, that makes the, those lists, the list of the things that we fear, but if, if we're honest with ourselves, for us as followers of Jesus in this room, I, I would like to argue that death isn't necessarily the thing that we fear the most. It's how we're going to die, not knowing how I'm going to die. Is it going to be painful? Is it going to be quick? Is it going to last a long time? Like that's the kind of thing that whenever my heart goes to that place is, is the question that I, that I ask myself. Uh, the Apostle Paul, again, writing to Philippians, is sitting in prison and uh, he's in house arrest and his fate is actually being decided. And so he's sitting there and he knows that at any moment he could lose his life. Now, this is not just explicit from the text, but, but reading into the text, I can imagine that, that Paul has been fighting for his life so much. We know from his history that, that this is not his first experience with imprisonment and being beaten because of the gospel and, and probably almost dying because of his relationship with Jesus. And he's sitting in prison and he's saying to himself, here I am again at this place. And so I, I can imagine that he's battling with himself. Do I just give in to my accuser? and let them do with me what they will to end my life? Do I, does my journey end here? Or do I continue to fight for my place to be able to be free and share to them uh, and show them how what they're accusing me of, I'm not guilty of so that I can be freed to continue to pursue the gospel that God entrusts me with? This idea of life and death permeates these verses He's saying to himself, what shall he choose? Do I continue to fight or do I give in to the accusers? To live is Christ and to die is gain. What shall I choose? Looking at his words more closely, let's look uh, at verse 19 and uh, read to, to verse 20. Verse 19 and verse 20. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. He's, he's addressing his audience in Philippi, and, and in a roundabout way, he's asking them to pray for him. Pray for my deliverance. So this begs us to ask the question, what, what, what deliverance is he wanting here? What is he asking? Is he asking for them to pray that he's being delivered from prison so that he can continue moving forward? Or is there a greater sense of what he's asking to be delivered from? Is there more an eternal perspective that he's asking to be delivered from? 
Scholars don't really know. People's guesses are all over the map. But if you just look at the context of where this lands, uh, it, it's my argument that he's actually not asking for just a, to, be, to be freed from prison, but he's asking for people to be praying for his heart, praying for his soul, that he'd be able to continue to endure no matter what the outcome is, that he will continue to um, pursue Jesus fully. He's asking the church to be praying that his heart continue to invest in Jesus more fully. He is confident that he is saved. He knows where his heart is with Jesus. But more than that, he desires to honor Christ in all things. Do I fight? Do I give in? What his answer is to his self is actually pretty astonishing. And this is what I need us to grasp today. His, aston- or his answer to himself is, neither living nor dying are ultimate. If I am free or if they kill me, that is not what is central. There's something so much more central going on inside of his heart. It leads us to verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I want us to put this truth deep down inside of our hearts that we see here. What he is saying is that the beauty of Jesus Christ surpasses both life and death. Earlier, as we sang the gospel to each other, as we, as we talk about living, he loved me, and it, we continue to share this story of, of Jesus and his sacrifice for us. And what has happened on the cross for you and for me and what that brings for us. This is what brings Paul the greatest joy in his life. It's to know that the grace of Jesus Christ is more sufficient in his own life and he wants other people in the world to experience that same grace. And where he lands with grace in the midst of life and in the midst of death, that is more beautiful. It's not necessarily the circumstances of either. It is who Jesus is in the midst of both of these things that makes it so great. Jesus is above and he surpasses both life and death. Continuing to read verse 21 through 24. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to part and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. It's clear that Paul, if he had the choice, if it's something that, that was put before him at that moment, he said, it is so much better for me to die and to be with Christ because I'll be standing in the presence of my heavenly Father. Everything that I've aimed for since I started pursuing Christ will come to fruition and it is all going to be worth it in that day because what I've suffered up to this point has been ridiculously hard and I am ready to surrender it all to be standing in his presence. But he's also recognizing it's far better for you that I remain so I can continue to encourage you and push you forward so that you can continue to experience the same thing that I have experienced. 
this war and this battle going on in his life. Do I fight or do I give in? Neither of that is ultimate because no matter if I die or if I live, Christ is going to be glorified in the midst of all of it. I seek to honor Jesus more than I seek to honor myself and get what I desire in this moment. Man, I... uh, commend Paul for his heart, for wanting to hang behind, to continue leading people to Jesus. As someone who leads people, leading people is hard. This isn't our church, but you know, other churches, leading people is really difficult because people who sit in the pews on Sunday mornings can be really difficult to work with. Again, not you at all. It's other churches. Um, and now, in all seriousness, whenever you're, you're investing in people and, and you're trying to lead them to see something that they are unable to see about themselves, and you can almost see paths that they're walking in and you encourage them and they don't take it or you have expectations that they don't meet, lead, leading people is extremely difficult. There have been times where I'm like, man, church, would be, church work would be wonderful if people just didn't exist, you know, that I could just be, just kidding. In all reality, though, I, I get it. Because over 20 years of ministry, the mess that I've had the privilege to walk through with people, I wouldn't give it up. Because after walking with people for so long, they're able to look back and say, man, thanks so much for sacrificing for me. Some are able to say that. And it's in those moments that I know, man, Jesus was able to use me in a far greater way than I figured he could or I thought he could. And guys, this isn't pastoral ministry alone. This is the way that we invest in one another. If we sacrifice and we live as Christ would live in front of one another, honoring Christ in, in front of one another, this is what we get to experience. Um, there's a flavor of what Job went through in these verses that, that Paul is speaking about in Philippians chapter 1. Are you guys familiar with Job's story? Job lost everything. Satan took it all away for him, from him so that he would curse God's name and die. That was the end result for Satan. And God's battle was you know what, you can do anything you want to Job, Satan, but he will not curse me. He will continue to pursue me. And as the story unfolds, we know that Job continues to pursue Jesus even in the midst of tragedy and in the midst of pain. If you got your Bibles and, um, and you're able to turn back to uh, Job chapter 13, I want you to look at these few verses with me and just see how this connects to what Paul is thinking and what Paul is feeling and what he's also expressing. Paul's knowledge of the Bible, I can only imagine that he had these verses in mind as he's thinking about his own life and his own circumstance. Job chapter 13, verse 13. It starts off, Let me have silence, and I will speak, and let come on me what may. Why should I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in my hand? Verse 15, hear this and let this sink into our hearts. Though he slay me, though God allows me to be slayed, I will hope in him, yet I will argue my ways to his face. 
This will be my salvation, and the godless shall not come before him. Keep listening to my words, and let my declaration be in your ears. Behold, I have prepared my case. I know that I shall be in the right. What Paul is saying and here thinking about back at Job is that the beauty of Christ surpasses all life and all death. And it's the same words that Job is expressing as well. Though he slay me, though he take me out, I'm going to praise his name. How in the world can we have that outlook towards Christ and in our own life as well? Um, there's a video that, that I'd like to show you because this expresses this idea more than any words that I could put together. Uh, this is it's a um, worship video from a band called Shane and Shane. I don't know if you've ever heard of them before, but this is one of the, these experiences I had whenever I was living in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I went to a concert expecting a great show. I knew who Shane and Shane was, but it actually turned out to be one of the greatest worship experiences that I've ever had. It wasn't a concert at all. And uh, th this is who this band is. And this song is called Though He Slay Me. It centers on the words that, um, that we just read from Job. And I want you to be able to uh, um, check this video out and please listen intently to the words of it. song to the one who's all alive. 
your affliction momentary not only is all your affliction light in comparison to eternity and the glory there but all of it is totally meaningful every millisecond of your pain from the fallen nature or fallen man every millisecond of your misery in the path of obedience is producing a peculiar glory you will get because of that. I don't care if it was cancer or criticism. I don't care if it was slander or sickness. It wasn't meaningless. It's doing something. It's not meaningless. Of course you can't see what it's doing. Don't look to what is seen. When your mom dies, when your kid dies, when you got cancer at 40, when a car creams into the sidewalk and takes her out, don't, don't say this meaningless. It's not. It's working for you an eternal weight of glory. Therefore, therefore, do not lose heart, but take these truths and day by day focus on them preach them to yourself every morning get alone with god and preach his word into your mind until your heart sings with confidence that you are new and cared for Friends, this is the difference between someone who is infatuated with Jesus and someone who is desperately in love with Jesus. We love what Jesus brings, and so we're just infatuated with the idea of him, but I cannot explain or cannot wrap my mind around how in the world he is greater than life and death. Whenever life comes and it comes in a way that I don't expect it to, or when death comes in a way that it just makes me scratch my head and say, how in the world can a loving God do anything or allow anything such as that? 
Then we bail on the thing that we say that we love so much, but actually it was never love. It was just infatuation. But when we're in love with him, we're able to sing these same words. We're able to resonate with Job, and we're able, able to resonate with what Paul is going through. You strike me down and you build me up. You say that you do it all in love so that I may know you in your suffering. Jesus, you suffered far more than I ever will in my life, and you kept your eyes towards the prize. You kept your eyes towards your goal. And it is for my glory or for my benefit and for your glory that you did those things. I can resonate with you and your suffering whenever I know that my suffering is not meaningless, but it is absolutely meaningful. Though you slay me, God, I will praise you. Our afflictions are momentary and they're light in comparison. They are not meaningless. Our afflictions in light of Christ, produce a greater glory that we will receive when we see Christ in his beauty as it surpasses life and as it surpasses death. This is what Paul is screaming from the top of his lungs to say, this is my journey and this is my encouragement for you. It is this heart that Paul has that produces action, that produces fruit. It's not the action that he's doing that he hopes that makes his love for Christ grow more. We will be greatly disappointed if we serve Jesus with expectations that he's going to give us something because the reward that we get will look rarely like the reward we expect or that we actually receive. But the reward we get from Christ brings you and leads you to life. As we kind of wrap up this idea, in 2018, how do we struggle with this life and death? How do we identify with what Paul is saying? We are not a persecuted church in the light that he is talking about being persecuted. The life and death that he is balancing in between, that's something that we don't necessarily relate with, and that's why we can slap it on a coffee cup and call it good and say, man, there's something beautiful there. But when we start applying it to our life, what it really means for us is that whether life, which is the comforts that we build around ourselves, or death, these difficult circumstances that we walk through, Paul is saying that Christ is above life and above death, above your comforts and above your difficult circumstances. Many of us have made following Jesus into this crazy formula and we've made it so much more difficult. And when we don't live up to the standards that we've placed on ourselves, we've allowed shame to drive us into a dark corner and like Adam and Eve hid from God in the Garden of Eden, we do the very same thing in the midst of our shame. When Jesus is saying that my grace is sufficient for you, you're going to mess up. You're going to do things not so perfectly, but that is the point of the cross. That's what differentiates any cult that's out there that says you must work hard to earn your salvation to the grace that the Bible points to on every single page to say it is Jesus and the blood shed for you that gives you the power to be able to move forward. And today, stop looking at your past and where you failed, but let's move forward in relationship and let's today strive to have eyes that see the beauty of Christ surpassing both life and death. Our relationship with Jesus is extremely supernatural. 
it's so much bigger than we've can, that we can ever make it. When our hearts grasp the depths of Jesus' love for us, then we can understand that it's his beauty that is better than anything that we can experience on this earth. The biggest tragedy is when we give life and death power. We give circumstance, we give difficult situations the power that God never intended for it to have. So, life equal complacency. Complacency leads to death in our own hearts. It leads to a dead faith. And Paul's cry to the church in Philippi is do not Go down that route of complacency. Don't relax. Keep moving forward. More than just complacency, our sin nature drives us to be complacent because we're tired of fighting our own sin nature. Whatever that is that we battle, we let its victories define who we are. In 2018, we have to talk about, men, the battle of pornography in our own hearts, in our own lives. When we battle and you fight for victory, but it continues to overtake you, we could then at some point... I've seen this time and time again where we push aside the battle and we just say, I'm going to forget about that or I'm going to let that actually define who I am and I continue to walk with Jesus in so much shame. But it is the grace that Jesus bestows on you to say, it's not that I don't care about that, but that's not what defines you. The battle and the fight is worth it to see me more as more beautiful than anything that you're walking through on this earth. Do not become complacent because you are struggling in your battle with sin, whether it's that or whether it's anger or whether it's whatever you want to fill in the blank. We do not let our sin nature own us and drive us towards complacency. It is grace that defines our lives, that drives things that Paul is talking about here. So life equals complacency. Death equals um, difficult circumstances. We tend, to divorce, we tend to divorce God's involvement from difficult things. Why we do this, I can only imagine. I don't really know. But not seeing God in the difficult things will lead us to have a hard heart towards God. Just know his powerful love that continues to lead us to see him above all of it. I close with this, that at the beginning of our time together, I mentioned that Paul's encouragement to the church was not to become relaxed or to become comfortable. It's because the world was full of dangers and the gospel is too glorious. Let's look at this full of dangers and just be encouraged to not look outward, but look inward. I think it's easy for us to point fingers at the world around us and say, the world's too dangerous. Let's protect ourselves from what's going on out there. And I don't think Paul is pointing to the world and saying, that place is too dangerous. So we need to protect ourselves and put ourselves in this holy little huddle that we could be safe together in the midst of these four walls and in this building. I don't think that's the dangers Paul's talking about. I think it's the dangers of allowing the things that... that 
non-followers of Jesus, non-God-fearing people let those things that rule their lives, we let creep into our own lives. So it's not being scared of what's out there, but protecting our own hearts and being praying for ourselves and for our, our friends here that we would continue to pursue Jesus. His warning is for us to protect our hearts and not become so complacent that we lose the joy that is ultimately found in Jesus Christ. Christ is above all. All life is above all death. Let me pray for us. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. God, there's so much richness here in seeing what Paul is experiencing, going through, and how he's encouraging the church. God, I know that I am someone who allows shame to drive me. It's part of my personality. But God, I pray that you would help all of us in this room identify with what is real and what is hard with following you in life and be able to release it to you and just recognize that the beauty of you, Jesus, is far greater than anything that we could experience or any shelters we could build around ourselves or any difficult circumstances that are outside of our control. Help us to have our eyes on you as we just proclaim to you who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Responding to what's written, we're going to close our service singing together. And I want to encourage us to sing these songs uh, to the extent that they're true of your hearts as notes of worship, to the extent that they're not true as prayers to God. Uh, this song, what a beautiful name, just exalts Jesus.